Welcome to It's All Fine and Dangy, where we talk about community, culture, and all of the big and little things that make life good. Here are your hosts, Dan and Angie. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 114 of the It's All Fine and Dangy podcast. We are in studio today, and we are joined by Josh Taylor. He is the founder and president of a little place called the Do Good Farm, which is right here in our backyard in Winter yes. Garden. I love the name of that, by the way. <coughs> Thank cool. you. I mean, it kind of says it all. It Do I really even need to talk anymore? <laughs> right. Really? <laughs> Done. Um, but, you know, let's just start off right getting into it. Like, yeah. tell us a little bit about the farm and what your role is there. Yep. So our mission as an organization is to end hunger and malnutrition through sustainable farming and teaching people to grow their own food instead of just shipping boxes of rice and beans over and over and over again. We want to actually empower people to work and provide for themselves. And so, you, you know, if you have money and you want to feed people, you can buy a bunch of food. But then when that food's gone... Your money's gone, the food's gone, and their bellies are hungry again. It's not so, sustainable, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So we want to invest in sustainable methods so that once we set up our farms, it'll continue to produce food indefinitely. That's the short answer. So Oh, I love that. So that's the that's the bottom line for us is that we want to set it up and, and so that it'll continue to produce food indefinitely. I love so. that. It's, that's the only way it's going to work in the long term. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you say sustainable, there's all sorts of different sustainable Absolutely. type of farming. So yep. what is it that you guys offer? Yeah. So we have a number of different farming methods that work together. That's the way we design all of our farm properties. And we want to farm in a way that adds value into the soil and into the earth and into the property that we're on. Um, our traditional industrial American farming methods rob value out of the soil. We want to add value into the soil so that if we ever have to leave that property, it will be better than when we got to it in the first place. And so one of the keys to sustainability is closing waste loops where waste from one thing becomes input to another thing. And if you remember from science class growing up, energy is not created nor destroyed. It's only transformed. Yes. And so as living creatures, all we do is convert energy into different forms over and over and over again. And so we just want to be intentional to do that. And uh, so that's, that. so there's sustainability in that aspect. There's also sustainable um, from the financial perspective as well. So we want to not only teach people to grow food to feed themselves and their family, but also take extra food to market. And so they can sell it and then help fund a hospital or an orphanage or a church or a school or whatever their wow. case may be. That's you guys have really thought about like, Oh, way beyond just like you said, just here, donate some rice and beans. That'll right. go a little bit little ways right you know what i mean you're, yep. you're really thinking it out of how you can really help people's future right. exactly i love that i do too i'm assuming it didn't start that way though i mean or did it did no, you it so, so this was well planned out you guys didn't just start tinkering around with it to start no it started that way um there's a there's a fantastic book called when helping hurts um, and another one called Toxic Charity that's kind of in the same vein. And the, the kind of the Cliff's Notes version of that is that when we, we oftentimes set out with fantastic intentions to help people and in that process can often do more harm unintentionally than, mm. uh, than good. And so, yeah. um, and kind of the, the nutshell version of how that goes down is there's three phases to helping people. There's relief, there's recovery, and there is development. So uh, relief is, 
a you have a disaster, a tsunami, earthquake, fire, whatever the case may be, you got to get in with food, clothing, shelter, and water, and save lives. Uh, that that really should stay in relief mode for a very short period of time, weeks even. Yeah, that's um, emergency um, mode, so ex- to speak. Exactly. Yeah. So rehab is kind of the next phase. That's rebuilding the infrastructure of the community. Again, that should be a very short window of time as well. Uh, and then the third phase is development, where you're really handing off the baton back to the community for them to provide for themselves. Yeah. So we really fit in that third window so that it's sustainable. We want to, again, empower and train people to do that for themselves right. um, and ultimately get out of the way. So That's amazing. That is pretty cool. So one of the things that you have that's sustainable at the farm is aquaponics, I yes. read, yep. which is so cool. My brother-in-law actually has done that in his Very backyard. Cool. So I kind of know a little bit about it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. for those people who do not know what yep. that is, can you let them know? Yeah. So aquaponics is a combination of aquaculture and hydroponics, where the name comes from. You merge those two together. Same exact ecosystem that you have in your bodies of water and your rivers and streams and lakes. And if you remember from American history class, a lot of our main major cities first grew up around bodies of water like the Mississippi River Mm -hmm. because all of the soil around those bodies of water is super nutrient-rich soil uh, for farming and growing food. So um, it's that ecosystem that really drives that. And so the, the, how it works is uh, it's, again, it's all naturally occurring. Uh, There's fish that we have in tanks. They Mm -hmm. create waste and uh, bacteria that's all naturally occurring as well converts that waste into food that feeds the plants is kind of the bottom line. Yeah. So fish create waste, that's fertilizer for the plants. Yep. And if you've never seen aquaponics before, the roots grow right. right. You do put soil sometimes. Sometimes you, you can. rocks. There's like yep. different things you can use. But the roots are drawing those nutrients right. right from the water. It's really cool. I yeah. have seen, they have like a thing at Epcot, you probably know, where you take oh. the living with the land, you take yes. the boat, and you can see there's a section there where yeah, you the can see tank the with roots the tilapia, and the yeah. tilapia. That's what it reminded me yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just curious, how did you learn how to do all this stuff? So uh, maybe about 20 or so years ago, 15, 20 years ago, um, Uh, my wife and I just really began to be heartbroken for uh, the hungry and thirsty and oppressed and enslaved Mm -hmm. in the world. Sure. um, Just when you look at the statistics of the tragedies that are happening all over our planet, it's crazy. So we wanted to give more of our time and financial resources into things like that, that we felt mattered. And so we laid out our budget said hey where can we cut where can we you know move some things around so that we can give more away and and I really didn't have a lot of wiggle room and so said well why don't we grow some of our own food and spend less on dining and eating out and things like that and so my wife when she tells the story she gives me a little bit of a hard time because she's kind of toe dipper in the shallow end I'm cannonball in the deep end style so good balance it sounds like it is a fantastic balance there's been plenty of times she's kept me from jumping into an empty pool yeah nice so uh so I dug up my in uh up the entire backyard, uh, set up an irrigation system, the whole deal, and uh, and very quickly realized that farming and gardening in Florida is just an absolute disaster. Yeah. Between the heat, the weeds, the sandy soil, the pests, everything, it's mm-hmm. just super, sure. super challenging. So We've learned that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, this is not an exaggeration, would leave for work in the morning, come back, and the weeds were a good two to three inches oh. taller. Oh, and yeah. It was for just sure. a nonstop battle, and then and then pests and the whole deal. So sure. super discouraging initially, um, <clears throat> but then began to research different schools of thought and farming methods. There's a lot out there. And yeah. uh, the more that I learned about uh, aquaponics and 
permaculture mm-hmm. um, and how combining them so that they work together along with uh, animal husbandry, which is not anything kinky. Uh, that's just like I it just. To, I it just, saw that on the website. Yeah. I, I was going to ask about right. that because I'm like, what? I don't even know when what I'm, this is. When I'm marrying animals, it just means you keep animals on a farm. That's all gotcha, I mean. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. thanks for yeah. the clarification. Exactly. So uh, the so we set up all of our farms so that uh, those farming methods all work together to close those waste loops, which mm-hmm. is the key to sustainability. So, Wow, that's very impressive. So when did all this start for you? Uh, about 20 years ago. It, oh, wow. Just as kind of a, a brainchild, if you will, the, the, the napkin drawing, wow. if you will, the sketch. Now, were you always in the Winter Garden area, or have you I, moved? I grew up in Louisiana, but I've been here since 98. So, oh, okay, yeah. okay. So Do Good Farm was born in Winter Garden? Well, we actually, at the time where I tilled up our backyard, mm-hmm. that was, we were living in Leesburg at the time. And so the property that we are on now, uh, was intentionally sought out to really expand this oh. vision. Yep. Were you a nonprofit from day one? Uh, yeah, we were functioning as a nonprofit. And then at the time, uh, it, w- it took about a year and a half, uh, to get our 501c3 through the IRS. Right. And that's without any roadblocks or bumps or anything. Yeah. So. Sure. I've heard that it is a, um. It's, it's a, it can be yeah. challenging yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thankfully we didn't have any challenges. It just took a while. So, yeah. so we officially became a 501c3 in 2013. Very nice. So let's talk about like the local community. Cause yeah. I know you do some stuff overseas too, yep. but here in the local community, how is do good farm impacting that this area yeah so again it's hunger and malnutrition which mm-hmm. is in developing nations obviously but it's also right here right in our here. own backyard yeah. and so we have food deserts um, especially in the inner city communities and poorer communities and uh, we've done ministry on the east side of winter garden in a in a rougher area of town and mm-hmm. and breakfast for a lot of those kids is a, a bag of hot takis or a snickers bar on the way to yeah. the bus stop from oh, the man. convenience store and yeah. so then we wonder why they can't sit still and pay attention and retain information and stay awake mm-hmm. um, Nutrition plays a huge role in how our brains and bodies function. And just like not putting the right gas in your car, if you don't put the right stuff in your body, I mean, our bodies and minds are, you know, capable of incredible things when we give it the tools it needs to do its job. But if we don't, they're going to malfunction. And so, so that malfunction in those inner city communities and food deserts just continues to perpetuate that poverty cycle because they can't get the, the education that they need to move forward in life. Yeah. And and a vicious cycle for for, sure. For such a, you know, a thing that this country, has such an abundance of right and we have so many you know children you know adults as well obviously but children that are suffering in school because of just not having the yep the right food right and and the education to know better right especially for the kids exactly right so what kind of projects you know are you bringing certain projects to those communities like how are we um teaching those kids and those adults how to be sustainable in their community. So a project that we're super excited about is a local farm to table school cafeteria concept uh, that we just finished construction on. So we'll actually grow the food that's used to feed the kids in the school. Um, It's at a local charter school called Hope Charter School and Legacy High School. It's a a K through through 12. Um, Hope Charter School is the lower school. Legacy is the upper school. Uh, So this, uh, we just finished construction on the greenhouse, the farm. Um, And so it's, 
our goal is to solve two really significant problems. Number one, it's challenging, um, almost impossible for especially the public school system to be able to afford nutritious produce. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Orange County, for example, their budget is $3 per child per meal. And I've been in the restaurant business about 33 years, and you really can't do much more than canned and processed and cheese pizza and hot dogs and things like that. And they yeah. do an incredible job with what they have. It's just that the resources limited, are yeah. limited. So. So, so that's problem number one, but even if there was some magic way to afford it, it doesn't guarantee that the kids will actually eat it. So what we have found over the years is that when we, when they get to participate in the process and can Mm. plant a seed and watch it grow and wash it and take a bite out of it, they're much more likely to actually eat their vegetables. And so, so then this farm now becomes this incredible STEM learning laboratory as well, uh, because there's just incredible math and science and educational, uh, social studies in, uh, in farming. And so, so you said you I come from it. the restaurant industry. Is it, were you working, I mean, prior, is it still what you do during the day or? It's, it still is. Yeah. So okay. uh, it, it was always kind of a, a, just a sidebar of my life just to pay for sure. rent and gas and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but, uh, we opened a cafe in 2006 called house blend cafe. Um, and so we still have that running as well. And so the, the tagline is eat good, do good and do good farm was it kind of it launched out of that. So hundred percent of the net profit is used to to uh, impact things like ending human trafficking and things like that. Oh, wow. And so this is one expression of how we are impacting that space of hunger and malnutrition in a sustainable way. And what was the restaurant name again? House Blend Cafe. I'm just taking a few notes. Yeah, here, but so that's that good I... to put links in the show for those of you that are interested, as always. Um, Otherwise, I don't remember. Yes, I'm the same way. Oh, I get right. You. Very cool. But I love that. So you're teaching the kids about farming from, yep. from every aspect of it. Right. And it's interesting to me that when they do the farming, they'll eat the food. Because even as an That's adult... That's been proven again and again. I, I believe it. it. Because yeah. think about it. Even as an adult, and we don't farm that much, but when we grow our own stuff, we're so excited and we're checking on yeah. it. Right. And, uh, and it tastes a lot better too. It tastes a lot better. It makes a huge difference because as soon as you yeah. pluck something, the nutrient value begins to decline. Yep. And if it's got to be grown in California and stuck on a truck and then on a grocery store shelf, mm-hmm. by the time it gets to us, number one, they have to they have to harvest it before it's really fully ripe yep. anyway. So your nutrient value is low, the flavor's low. So mm-hmm. farm fresh, there's just nothing like it. And then treated in trucks and stuff on the way here. Absolutely. I, I don't know if you are from here, but I'm from here. Yeah. And the first time I ever had like an apple from an apple or Orchard, I thought this is an entire. I wondered why everyone was so excited right. about going to get apples. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. Good. Exactly but, right. but it's a huge difference. Same yeah. thing with like tomatoes here. So, yeah, yeah, I think that might be part of the reason that, you know, I remember lunches and when I was a kid, and that might be why it all tastes kind of. Eh. Yeah, so, absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I, as a health coach, I truly feel. And you probably feel this way, too, that um, because of what children are eating from birth up, their taste buds are so tainted that when they do yep. get something fresh, it tastes very foreign and strange right. to them. It yeah. doesn't. That's why it doesn't taste good because it's not loaded with sodium or sugar. Yeah, and it's they just don't know how they've got to it slowly adapt. To there's it, a, there's know? a term for this that you may know, Angie, but it's a certain way to raise your kids. Like from the time they are infants, where you only feed them. Like fresh, it's, is it? Is it? I forget what it's called. It's it's called raising a pure baby. Pure baby, basically. that's the word. Yeah. Thank you. But if you <laughs> like see like some child. of these, yeah. they, right. some of these YouTube videos out there, you see where they yeah. have like the little girl, and they'll give her like Hershey's Kisses, and she doesn't want anything to do with it, right. and they give her a Reese's peanut butter cup and then they give her a little bowl of broccoli and she is as happy as can be because I do agree that we get so programmed. Think about it. Even in your own life, if you eat healthy, 
at right. first you have to, it's an adjustment. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to eating junk again, it's hard because you're, Absolutely. it's like, like chemically engineered to your taste buds. Kind Absolutely. Of thing. Yep. So I love that you're doing that. Are there other businesses or farms that you partner with along the way here? Yeah, so we've got projects uh, internationally. So uh, we're working uh, on fundraising and designing a farm uh, for a school in Burundi, Africa. Um, so it's a little tiny country right in the center of the I continent. I wondered. That's amazing. When you said you don't want to ship rice and beans, you want to teach them how, I thought, yep. I didn't realize you guys are, are doing this everywhere. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's it's a global mission. Uh, and then our hope, actually, is that we're also, so like, for example, at Hope and Legacy here in our backyard, we're going to partner that with a sister farm and school in a developing nation, probably Guatemala, because time zones are similar. So that way they can not only, uh, they, they can communicate, they can do experiments together and share data together. And then it exposes our kids here to, you know, kids that don't have the things that we take for granted. And so again, it just kind of takes that, those lenses off that our kids, you know, are sure. Oh, that's a, there's so many benefits. That's probably one of the biggest benefits. Then also I'm assuming they grow different things at different times of year because of the climate. They can learn about that. Right. And I feel like the more children you expose to that during those, you know, years where they're absorbing everything, how many of those children are going to carry that forward right. and going to make some big change in the future? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like you just don't know yeah. who's going to do it. So not, I not just from the health, but from the sort of me first mentality that yeah. a lot oh, it of it could be from science or right. anything. Just you know, just it might be this one experience that they had in school yep. that later that drives them to do something so significantly. So that's kind of how I think like with those STEM programs and just experiences like that, you never know. Yeah, it of might course end you know. world hunger. That's Who the, knows? Yeah, yeah that's the inspiration happen. component for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that, you know, you're in the food industry. You yep. have been, or the restaurant industry you have right. been for years. So there are some creative things that you do at the farm. Yes. That kind of brings that experience that you've had. Can you talk about... The dinner bell. Yes. Did I get it right? You, you did. Okay. Yeah, nailed it. So, okay. So, yeah. So, because in order to grow food sustainably, in order to design our farm so that you're, that we have food available 365 days a year, yeah. right? Our traditional farming methods, when you plant just the annual vegetables, so that's all the vegetables that we're used to buying in the produce section of the grocery store, your right. zucchini and squash mm-hmm. and carrots and things like that. Uh, you get food from those plants just a few weeks out of the year, probably 30 uh, weeks out of a 52 week year kind of max. Okay. So the way that, and the reason they're called annual vegetables, you plant a seed, it produces, you wait for it to produce, you know, you're waiting weeks for it to produce, you know, Mm -hmm. broccoli or cucumber or whatever it is. And then when it's done, you dig it up and you plant more food. Um, and you do that again annually, hence the name annual vegetables. Well, there's a whole slew of what are called perennial Mm -hmm. edibles that just stay here year after year after year and continue to produce food indefinitely. Just like, like the flowers or whatever, where you don't have to replant. It's Correct. from the seeds of the previous year. Exactly. Wow. So, well, and, and, and there are edible shrubs that will just stay here. Like a high, you know, there's edible hibiscus and cranberry hibiscus and all these mm-hmm. incredible plants and cactus and things like that, that are often eaten in other cultures around the world, but we just don't get to experience them here. So when we aren't dependent on food grown in California and put on a truck and shipped over here, when we can just walk outside and harvest it and eat it fresh, there's a whole slew of incredible foods that are delicious, that are really good for you. Um, And so we're passionate about the culinary side. Long Mm -hmm. answer to your question. We're passionate about the culinary side because we want to help people 
uh, rethink our food infrastructure and yeah. and shift to more edible landscapes instead of planting ornamentals in our yard can mm-hmm. we plant other you know edible shrubs and things like that around our front porch and so in order to really have an impact in that space to inspire change we also need to help people uh, learn to cook it so that they enjoy it and so we do our dinner bell event mm-hmm. uh, it's a five course chef's table experience and it's a roaming experience, so each course is in a different part of the property. We do wine pairings with it. It's uh, so it's a high end yeah, deal, but it's still outdoor it. and casual in oh, that I sense do too. as well. Yeah, oh, so oh, we're going. I want to totally. So uh, so yeah, we do um, we do uh, each course in a different part of the property. We wrap up with dessert around the fire pit, and it's just a it's a great night. Oh, so. that I mean, sounds how amazing. How cool does that sound? When's the next one? It'll be in October. We don't do them over the summer because okay. of the heat and mosquitoes nope, and things you. like that. We but, appreciate uh, that. Everybody but we'll do does. them October <laughs> through April. So once a month. Oh, very oh nice. Oh my gosh. And the months and then, where it's enjoyable to be, you know outside and eating at the same time right. around here. Exactly. And a little selfish plug, we also um, have the ability to do, uh, we've had a number of companies over the years do like private Christmas parties for their company and that kind of thing. So so, oh, the, so we can do private dinner bell events as well. So it sounds like you've had amazing success with all of this. It's been, uh, that's been uh, a huge uh, success and, and they sell out every time. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, in general with all of this, like did, it, did it start that way with all of this or was it a slow climb from the first time you started doing this? Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's interesting when you're in the middle of it, it's kind of like watching paint dry. It can take, it can seem like it's going, sure. you know, taking a long time, but then we have people and this is always so encouraging that will come to our farm and say, Oh my goodness, you've only been here eight years and you, you know, and all of this has grown up so much. So, um, so in one aspect, yes, it, it seems like it's taken a long time, but in others it hasn't. So, right. so we've, we've accomplished a lot. So you, you say people come to the farm. Do you do tours? Do you sell produce there? Like what, if, if we visit the farm, what are we going to see? Yeah. So we, when COVID hit, we shifted to really having open hours to just doing a kind of a curbside pickup model. Mm-hmm. So we have a number of families that, uh, participate in a CSA. It's just kind of a monthly co-op where you pay a monthly amount and then you pick up every week. And so we schedule harvest times and then uh, we'll harvest them ahead of time, have them. So literally just picking up bags and, and going, but yeah, we can schedule tours as well. Um, and the, the contact page on our website, uh, comes right to my inbox. And so, um, so if you're interested in a tour, we can, we can definitely schedule. Oh, very nice. For sure. We'll put a link in the show notes on how to get. So our like, um, is there a fee for the tour? Are donations encouraged? Like, how do you work that? Yeah, donations are definitely encouraged um, because w- every tour that we do um, pulls us away from the, the mission that we're on. And sure. so um, so it's just a way to say thanks and a way to just encourage uh, moving the mission forward. And so, yeah, yeah we definitely encourage donations. Yeah. Are there other ways the community can help support the farm as well? It's a farm. So there's always work that needs to be done. So we always need volunteers. Um, we oh, do nice. have some regularly scheduled volunteer times uh, and those are on the calendar page of our website uh, so people can sign up there there's also a volunteer link for people to sign up there and uh, but we always need help so what are some examples of what people can volunteer for uh, well it kind of depends on what we have going at the time but uh, it's it's good old you know outdoor farm manual labor sweaty hot <laughs> you know yeah but that's a nice experience sometimes when yeah. you especially if you have an indoor job and you're just like yep. you know so to get it could dirty. be planting seeds, pulling weeds, moving mulch. It could yeah. be, you know. Yeah. And I love to, this is one of the things I always love to tell people. Because when I go out and I do weeding and stuff like that, now I might get a stinging nettle every once in a while. Or ants. But I do not wear gloves because there is 
good microbes in yep. the soil that actually can help to boost your immune system. Exactly I mean, right. who knows what else they do? Because that's a whole world that we haven't even discovered yep. fully yet. So right. she's giving me the eye over here. Dirty. <laughs> because I, two things. When you talked about the weeds, I don't know if you saw the flower bed we have out by the mailbox I didn't, out there. I missed it. But we had some ivy planted, what, I want to say six months six ago. Months, maybe it maybe. was. And it's not growing nearly fast enough for me, by the way. <laughs> but I went out there and weeded, and it was ridiculous. It yeah. took me half a day laying, anything, literally so. laying yeah. flat on my stomach in the flower bed, picking every little one. <laughs> and a week later, I pull oh, in the yeah. driveway, and it's all back. Yeah, He it's thought crazy. that the, the, the ivy had grown. And uh, it's like, it was just It weeds. was weeds. <laughs> but I had my gloves on right. doing it the whole time. And she did it like a few weeks later and she had ant bites and stuff. I'm like, why don't you wear gloves? And she told me about the the, microbes. The microbes. So (laughs) it's kind of worth, you know, taking a little bit of damage there. And I love that um, with the kids, I'm sure. I mean, kids love to get dirty anyway. But, you know, with the kids touching the soil and stuff too. And they do that a lot in nursing homes with um, elderly people touching the soil. And it's more than just, you know, working with their hands. There's health benefits to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So you're probably super healthy. You're going to live till 120 <laughs> years old. I don't know about that. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, so what is like your, f- I mean, I obviously could probably guess what your favorite thing is, but like, what is your, um, your favorite thing just about what, you know, has come from Do Good Farm? So I think uh, there's, there's a lot, but I think the thing that really kind of gets me maybe the most excited, um, especially on the school farm, uh, component is that, um, I have a good friend who's run a farm over the last 25 years at the Roosevelt school in Lake Wales, about an hour and a half South of here. And it's an ESE school for special needs mm-hmm. kids. And what he has found in 25 years of doing this is that children that are on the autism spectrum will often do repetitive tasks really well. So you and I may be bored to tears planting seeds. Well, they'll do it with precision and excellence for eight hours. And, and so it's an opportunity for them mm-hmm. to learn job skills so that when they graduate high school and mom and dad are like, you know, what do I do now? Yeah. It's an opportunity for them to actually provide for themselves and, and create, yeah. you know, gainful employment. And so, um, so that, that piece of the puzzle really gets me excited That's for pretty sure. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this seems like such a fulfilling thing to do. And with every answer, it's a whole different avenue of how it helps. It's crazy. <laughs> it's know. like, I never would have thought of uh, that. Yeah, you just think, oh, feed people, right? right? No, it's going above and beyond that. Yeah, yep. but like even the autism thing, how did you guys even discover that? I mean, uh, just uh, got networked with uh, with the, uh, Ray Cruz. He's the guy who runs the farm down at the Roosevelt School in Lake Wales. Right. Um, he's just a fantastic wealth of knowledge and so we've just been very very fortunate to connect with all the incredible right incredible farmers over the years so very nice yeah. it's amazing it's i was just good. writing something down sorry yeah. that's okay <laughs> so how do people find out more about the farm by going to your website website's probably the best place to start sure um but if somebody is really interested in kind of doing more of a deep dive we have an internship program as well oh, cool. so we need uh, you know, all the help we can get to go change the world. And so people that want to come get more involved, um, and, you know, take it beyond just volunteering every now Mm -hmm. and again, but actually plug in, learn and be sent out to help start farms around the world. Uh, we have an internship program. Oh, that is amazing. Do you, I mean, is that internship program for anybody or is there certain age groups that usually would, um, 
be interested in that. Yeah, it's it's for anybody, um, but realistically, probably you know, late high school and beyond. And college say. students, yeah, right? Okay. Exactly. Oh my gosh, that's very interesting. So, what's next for you guys? So right now, like I said, we're we're working on the design and fundraising for uh, that project in Burundi. It's a school. It's called the Discovery School. About thirteen hundred kids. Three hundred of those kids live on property in a boarding school for deaf children. Uh, three years ago, we went and put in a small aquaponic system as kind of a teaching system. Uh, but the plan is to go back and put in a commercial production farm that will grow food to feed the kids there at the school. And then they can also sell it to the community and help create funds for the school as well. So, wow. So you guys are actually going and do, you're, you're going and doing these missions. This is not that you've connected with someone you're, and they're setting it up with your instruction. You guys are going and doing we're, it. We're going and doing it. Yeah. We put in a, a a small aquaponic system at an orphanage in Honduras as well. They didn't have acres to farm on. They just had a little side yard. Uh, but in Honduras, they, they do a lot of rainwater harvesting because the utility infrastructure is not what we have here. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so their building infrastructure was actually strong enough to, to handle the water weight that comes with putting an aquaponics farm up, up there. And so, wow. uh, so it doesn't replace their food supply, but it does really add really nutrient rich and nutrient dense foods into what they're already feeding the kids. So, I love that word. Oh. Nutrient dense. Yes. And educating them at the same <laughs> same time on yeah. how to do it themselves right. after absolutely so wow. i was wondering if one of the ways that you do um make money for the farm and for you know towards the mission that you have yep. do you build aquaponic systems for we do. people yeah we can do uh design and install work and okay, so cool. again on the sustainability side of things we want yes. the entire thing all the way around to be sustainable and so <clears throat> so we do have that marketplace component uh so just like the cafe that we established to create funds to help fund the mission side of it uh we will we have a number of different ways that people can um, buy if you will from us and so we do uh, edible landscape design and install we do oh wow that's um, great we can do you know commercial design and install as well um, and then we have that CSA program that I was telling you about yeah. where people can pay a monthly fee and then pick up uh, veggies every week it's an assortment that changes throughout the year we have our dinner bell events uh, we also can host Lots small weddings and things like that at the farm um, and then we do catering and that kind of stuff too so that is quite amazing no kidding how big is the farm right? we didn't so, ask that great, we didn't talk about that great question our our uh, farm, our home base, if you will, is only an acre and a half, which in the farming oh, world wow. is super small. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we'll, uh, if you ever get a chance to come tour, you'll see that we're growing a lot of food in a little bit of space. And so, and that's part of our passion is to teach more intensive farming practices. And so, uh, so out of our greenhouse that we have, we can harvest three to 400 heads of lettuce every day out of that greenhouse. And then our food forest produces wow. uh, food we could easily feed uh, 200 people a day and not feel it. So. Wow, that's so and, impressive. And, but that just goes to show you that food, you know, um, what am I trying to say? Nutrient-dense food can be grown in a very small area. You don't have to have right. a large plot of land yeah. to, to grow food that's that you can sell to right. make a living on that you're, you know, can feed your family nutritious food. Like you don't have to have a lot. So, I mean, that just, that's proof right there. That's pretty yeah, amazing. For, especially for people that, you know, you're setting these things up, but for people that have your typical yard and your typical neighborhood, right? a lot of the times people assume you can't really, you know, they can't farm like the size of my yard, yeah. but you're yeah. proving different there. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. And the amount of food you're producing is crazy. It really is. Well, this has been very informative. We are super excited to come and check it out. Yes, thanks for having me. And I me. literally just found you by just like, I was just like Googling just 
Oh, farms in the area. I was going to ask. I was like, what is this? I was a little bit apprehensive. <laughs> how do I not know this is here? You know, I was a little bit apprehensive to ask you during the show, but I was going to ask later, like, how in the world did you find this? Because <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. That's all I do. That's great. You know, I just, I mean, I don't have time to drive all around. Right, right. So I have to just, you know, do this. Start doing the Google stuff. Do the Google stuff. So, Josh, Absolutely. before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to let people know about Do Good Farm? No, I mean, obviously, I just one final plug to get involved. Like I said, we need yeah. all the help we can to change the world. And so there's lots of ways for people to make a difference in, in what we're doing. So. And I love well, that you have a bunch of different, you know, volunteer yeah. opportunities. So right. I think that's. Yeah. And it seems like you guys are definitely making a change in the world a lot of different good ways. So. It's fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for meeting with us. This has been nice. Thank you for coming out in this rainy weather time. I know. Yeah, I heard it raining in the middle of the... I'm like, (laughs) what is that noise? Or a fan on or something? (laughs) It was really raining a minute ago. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, stay tuned for a few more minutes. We will be right back with you. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that interview. And we thank you so much for each and every time you tune in and watch who we have on the show. Help us in helping the community to support local businesses, artists, other creatives, yes, and indeed. nonprofits. Indeed we do. Or even if you just listen. But right. uh, we've started doing the YouTube channel again or the YouTube videos again. Um, and right. we intend to keep those going. But yeah, as Angie said, thank you so much for listening. And we hope you enjoyed that interview. If you like the show, we would like to ask you if you could take a minute to go and give us a rating, even better, a review. And best, if you love it, to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player or on YouTube. That's right. And if you have someone that would like to be on the show, if you'd like to be on the show yourself, or you just want to leave a nice little voicemail, give us a call at 407-490-3899. Or an even better way is to shoot us an email at feedback at fineanddangy.com. So real question, do you have that number memorized yet? Nope, I have it right here on my handy dandy iPad. I don't have it memorized yet either. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> I mean, do any of us really call nowadays? No. We send Very a text. True. We send an email. We reach out on social media. That's how we communicate. That is correct. <laughs> but we also want to remind you, if you could take a moment in every day to think about what you are doing for those in your community and what you might be able to do to do more for those in your community. That's right. I think that needs to be something we think about each and every day when we wake up in the morning. Indeed. And always remember, at the end of each and every day, it's It's all all fine and dandy.